uh, this morning. So we're wrapping up today a four-part series that we've been calling Doubt After Faith. And we've been focusing on both, on both doubts and faith. So recognize that everyone has a faith commitment. It doesn't matter where you fall on the spiritual spectrum, everybody has a faith commitment. So that person who says, I'm not religious, has a faith perspective. The person who says um, that I'm spiritual has a faith commitment. Somebody who is agnostic, who says, I don't know if there's a God or not, has a faith commitment. Atheists have a faith commitment. No matter what your, where you fall on that continuum of faith, you have a faith commitment. And our faith helps us answer life's biggest questions. So questions like, where did I come from? Where am I going? Why am I here? All of us, no matter where we come out on the faith question, have to answer those questions for ourselves, whether we do it in a very conscious way or we do it in a more subconscious way. And so, for example, the atheist has to answer the question, where did I come from? And for them, the answer might be something like, I'm here because of some a humongous cosmic event that took place billions and billions of years ago that set in motion a very unlikely series of events that resulted in human beings. They have to answer the question, where am I going? And again, for the atheist, the answer would probably be, I'm not going anywhere. That at the end of my physical life here, I simply cease to exist. And then the answer to the question, well, why am I here? Why am I here? And so the atheist might answer that question by saying, well, I'm here to find as much happiness as I possibly can for as long as I can before I die. Or maybe to say to be a good person or to leave the planet better than when I found it. Whatever answers they come up with, whatever answers any of us come up with, those questions need to be answered. And based on those answers, those answers are based on our faith commitments, our faith understanding, and then those answers lead us to how we end up living out our life. So all faith perspectives um, have these things in common and all have this in common as well. All faith perspectives have questions, have challenges, and ultimately deal with doubt. So we're looking at this as Christ followers, our faith perspective, and Christ gives us answers to those big questions. Where did I come from? We came from God, who created us male and female in God's image. We bear the image of God. We were created by God. Where are we going? We know that we are going ultimately to spend eternity with God. And why am I here right now? The answer for us as Christ followers would be, I'm here right now to learn what it means to love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, with all my mind, and to learn what it means to love my neighbor 
as myself. These are the reasons that I'm here. And so in this series, what we've been saying all along is that faith isn't the end of doubts. Faith isn't the end of doubts. That there are always times in our lives where we have questions and struggles and, yes, doubts. You know, I've been following Christ since I was 19 years old. And in the decades since then, I've gone through all of the experiences of struggles and doubts and questions and all of the experiences of mountaintop experiences and so forth. And all of that has matured me in my faith. All of us, as we follow Christ over our lives, have this experience. And so we have been looking at an, in this series through the example of Simon Peter, Jesus' disciple Simon Peter, at his faith and the doubts that he struggled with. As we come to this last message in this four-part series, I want to pivot and look at the life of John the Baptist, or look at an experience in the life of John the Baptist. And uh, so looking at John and from the perspective of doubt, and then as we close out this series, we'll come back to Peter and let Peter speak to us uh, himself. So we're uh, coming to John. It's the seventh chapter of the Gospel of Luke. And in the seventh chapter of Luke, we see that John is in prison and on death row for having committed the heinous crime of challenging Herod's wife, or, or cha challenging the marriage between Herod and his wife, ticked his wife off, and so she asked that John be executed for that crime. And uh, so he is now in prison on death row awaiting execution. And you can just imagine him in this dark, dank prison cell, knowing that his life is soon to be taken from him. And this man of tremendous faith is struggling. And you can understand why he might be. And so John calls some of his followers to him. And he says, I want you to go and find Jesus and ask him this question, are you the one or should we be looking for someone else? Now, I know that John must be struggling with doubt here because John knew that Jesus was the one. From the time he was a young boy, he had been hearing about Jesus. For those of you who may not know the story, Jesus' mother and John's mother were cousins. So when Mary conceived Jesus through the Holy Spirit and was pregnant with Jesus, she went and spent time with her cousin Elizabeth, who was also pregnant unexpectedly because she was a woman of, we'll say, advanced years, too old really to be uh, carrying a child, but there she was. So these two women having this experience from God, led by God, and sharing what God had been telling them about these children that they are carrying inside. 
And so you know that over their lifetimes, that Mary and Joseph were talking to Jesus about his cousin John. And likewise, Elizabeth and her husband talking to John about Jesus and how he was conceived and how he was the anointed one of God, the chosen one of God. When Jesus needed to be baptized, he came to John. And as John saw Jesus coming, John's response was, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And as Jesus came to him, John didn't want to baptize him. He didn't feel worthy to baptize the Messiah. But Jesus insisted And John was there as he baptized Jesus and as Jesus came up out of the water and the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove descended on Jesus. John saw it all. And then as Jesus left that place and went off into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan, John saw all of that. And so here he is now in a prison cell wrestling with doubts And so he sends his followers to go ask this question. You know, when we're in time of doubt, we're looking for a few things, I think. We're looking for information, we're looking for confirmation, and we're looking for inspiration. So John's followers go and they find Jesus and they ask Jesus the question that John told them. Are you the one... Or should we keep looking? And Jesus looked at them and said, I want you to look around at all that you see and all that you hear. And I want you to report that back to John. And what they saw as they looked around this crowd of people surrounding Jesus was lives being transformed. Blind people receiving sight. Lame people being made whole all kinds of healings, all kinds of heart change. People's lives were being transformed as they were with Jesus. And he was teaching them about the kingdom of God. And so Jesus didn't give uh, these guys this long treatise about, you know, information about himself. He simply said, Look with your own eyes, listen with your own ears, and go back and report to John all that you saw and all that you heard. Here's what Jesus didn't do. He didn't scold them. He didn't reject them. He didn't criticize them. He didn't say things like, are you kidding me? How could he be questioning that? He knows who I am. What's wrong with him? What's happened to John? He didn't do that because Jesus understands our human frailty. He understands that there are times in our lives where we struggle with doubt. Rather than criticize, Jesus did just the opposite. He commended John to the crowd And told everybody what an amazing man of faith John the baptizer was. 
You see, I think that happens to us, doesn't it? In times where we're struggling, in times of doubt, we forget all of the rest of our experience of faith. And it all kind of comes down on us. And, and all we can see and all we can think about are our questions, our doubts, our struggles. But Jesus doesn't do that. And that's why we can say with great confidence, as we shared last week, doubt doesn't disqualify. Doubt doesn't disqualify. So we're overcoming doubt. We're dealing with doubt. And we're saying that faith isn't the end of doubts. But here's what faith is. It's the path to understanding. Faith isn't the end of doubts but it's the path to understanding. My faith gives me insights. It provides me with guidance. It gives meaning in times of hardship. It lights the path before me so that I can walk through even times of doubt because I have this faith that guides me. Hebrews chapter 7 describes faith this way. It says, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and an assurance when we don't see. It gives us confidence and it gives us assurance even in the face of our doubts. So when doubts do come, faith guides us through. It provides what we need to come through those times of doubt so the doubt doesn't derail our faith. In fact, doubts can be useful at times as well. C.S. Lewis, the great intellect of the 20th century, wrote these words that I think apply here. Lewis wrote, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen not because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. That's faith. It's not what I see, but that everything else makes sense by this faith in Christ that we have. So when we're in these seasons of doubt, when you're in a season of doubt, maybe that's right now, the things that help us move through that, how our faith helps us move through that is through information, confirmation, and inspiration. So where do we go for information about our faith? Well, our primary source, of course, is the Word of God, the Scriptures. And so the reason that we spend time in the Word of God is so that we have the information we need to understand this life that we are living. And not only do we have the Scriptures, but we have 2,000 years of men and women of deep faith who helped unpack and enlighten us around the Scriptures. And so in times of doubt... We go to the Word of God and we go to uh, those teachers who can help illuminate the Word of God for us. And then we can find confirmation by going to others of deep faith that we know and trust. You can go to your pastor. 
you know, to myself, to Pastor Rick, Heather, Dave. Um, you can go to other people of mature faith that you know, maybe in your small group, maybe here in the church, or people in your family that you know that have a deep faith. And you can bring the insights that you're getting as you're seeking information to find confirmation through those folks. And then we all need inspiration. You know, in those times of doubt, in those times of struggle, it feels sometimes like we're a little boat out on the water and there's no wind. Inspiration is that wind in your sail that moves you forward, that gives you direction, that gives you back your hope. And we find inspiration, friends, when we open our eyes and look around to all that God is doing in our midst. Again, sometimes in times of doubt, things close in on us and we can't see beyond our doubt. We can't see beyond our hardship. And so we need to be reminded to open our eyes, to lift our head, to look around beyond our own circumstances, to see where God is at work in your own life, in the lives of the people around you, in your community, in the world at large. God is at work always and in amazing ways. And we need to look to see it so that we might find the inspiration that we need. You know, a few years ago, a dear friend of mine uh, was dying of cancer. And he was a man of rich faith, of a deep faith, but he was struggling with doubts. And it was around this question of, where am I going? Where am I going? And so he began to do a deep dive into the scriptures to read about heaven and beyond that, he was listening to gifted teachers, men and women of deep faith who knew the scriptures and had unpacked some things about heaven. And so he was researching that, getting information on that. And when I would go to visit him, we would talk about it so that he could get some confirmation about things that he was learning and thinking about heaven. And other of our staff who would talk to him and friends would talk to him and so forth. And he was going through confirming the things that he was learning about heaven. And he wasn't afraid to die because he was inspired by what he was reading, what he was hearing, and the stories that he had heard of others who had near-death experiences. He was inspired and looking forward to what was to come. Anyone who visited him said that they left feeling more inspired by him than anything that we may have brought to him. So faith beyond doubt Faith beyond doubt. Doubt isn't the point. It's natural, it's normal, but it's not the point. And so our faith is going to move us through doubts. It is that pathway that moves us through life. So in this series, we, like I said, we were looking at Peter and his experiences of doubt and faith. So as we close out this series, I want to close by going back to Peter. Now, you may know that Peter, after Jesus ascended into heaven, Peter was the first point leader of this new ga gathering, the church. 
And so Peter, before his own martyrdom, would write letters to the church, and we have some of those letters contained in our Bible, in the scriptures. And so in the first letter that Peter wrote, in the first chapter, he gave us some information and some confirmation and some inspiration. So 1 Peter 1, chapter 7 says this. These he's talking about trials. So this is a persecuted church, right? Men and women of faith are being persecuted because of their faith in Christ. And Peter's speaking into that. He says, these trials will show you that our faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you have not, never seen him. And though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. That's faith right there, right? Even though you don't see him, you have this confidence and this assurance in him. That's your faith. And that's what brings you through these times of doubt and hardship. And then it ends with this. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. The reward for your faith. Where am I going in this life? My reward, your reward, is the salvation of your souls. That through faith in him, he will redeem your soul. That word soul, interesting, in the Greek is the word psyche, where we get our modern word, psychology. It is that part of the human being beyond the flesh, beyond the physical body. It is our essence, that eternal part of us, our soul. Your reward, my reward, is the salvation of our soul, our eternal place with God. Man, great information. Great confirmation about your faith. And incredible inspiration to keep moving, to keep going forward, to look for the ways that God is at work in your life.